the Holy Spirit is revealed to us as the spirit of truth. Amen. Spirit of truth. God is truth. There's no lie in him. There's no darkness in him. There's no deceit, no, no, no deception in him. Truth. And right on the contrary, Satan is called the father of lies. Right? He is the, he's the inventor of, of deception and of lies and of darkness. And, uh, and that's real clear. That's real clear cut in Scripture. God is truth. The enemy is, is, a, is a lie. And I know uh, that concept is foreign even to some. Uh, there are those who believe in our day that there really isn't truth, that everything is relative, that everything is subjective to something, and you cannot really say something is absolutely true or something is absolutely false. Um, but how many know if you were to say that, that nothing is really true, then by that own premise and line of thinking, that statement can't be true. Right? And it's just really completely illogical to say that there is no truth and there is nothing that's wrong or false, that it's all just relative. Now, that can't be true then. Amen. And there absolutely is. And I think that's one of the deceptions that is out there. See, if Satan is the father of lies, which he is, John chapter 8, and his strategy is to deceive, then uh, one of those deceptions can simply be that there is nothing true. And, and, you, and, and if there is, you know, you can never know. I mean, you never know what's really true because it's all a matter of interpretation. Some people dismiss strong you know, absolute Bible statements that say something is a certain way and don't leave any room for discussion. It just is that way. They dismiss that, uh, again, thinking, well, it's all up to interpretation. Well, that's a lie that's been um, pushed off on people, even some in the body of Christ, where they won't take a stand for anything they won't take a, a strong position for any truth because they think, you know, it's all, well, it's all just a matter of interpretation. And they'll generalize the whole subject and say, you, know, you got one church that says one thing, you got another church that says another thing, you got this person who says one thing. And so looking at it from a distance, they say, so you can never really know. But again, that premise serves only to defeat and bondage. I must believe that some things are true and some things are not true not true and then be in a perpetual quest all of my days to find out what is true and what is not true why well because again god is truth and if i want to walk with him i need to know what's true i need to know what is of him i need to know what's not true Amen. And, and, and of course, you know what Jesus said about that. He said, when you know the truth, it'll make you free. Amen. Therefore, the contrary is also true. When you don't know the truth, you'll be not free. You'll be bound in bondage. So to the degree that I know truth, 
I can walk in freedom, in victory, I can have success, but to the degree that I am believing things that are false, believing things that are lies, I will uh, give place to the enemy to work his ways in my life. So truth is really, really important, not only because it's who God is, but it's because that's, it's the only way that we can walk in freedom. And so because of that principle and that foundation that God always is endeavoring to speak to us to reveal and unveil His ways and His word and His plan to us, He's endeavoring to get truth into you and to me constantly. The enemy is working night and day to do the opposite. As As I was praying a few minutes before I came out into the service, uh, one of the things I prayed out was lies, 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 lies. And I thought, what's going on here? What's up with that word? And I, and I can see, you don't have to be too quick to recognize, the enemy is lying to people. The enemy is lying to people. And I know that's true all the time, but I think it's a key right now right here in some specific lives. The devil's been lying to you. And why would the Lord say that and help me to see that? Well, I believe it's because, not because the devil's just started lying. He's been lying for a while. But that some of his people are believing him. Some of his people are falling prey to lies to deception and the Lord wants to help us to be free he wants to help us to walk in victory and if I'm believing something that's not true I've got to to get that figured out and I say figure it out I say you know I really by the grace of God I recognize it and resist the lies what for example would the enemy lie to us about he constantly wants to lie to us about the Father, about the Lord Himself, His character, His will, His nature, His plan for our lives. You know, it's all when but well back to the Garden of Eden. He tried to lie to Adam about, uh, you know, about uh, the tree and, uh, you know, and and what God, who God was. He trying to keep stuff from him, and you know, just make painting God to be out to be the bad guy. And the and the devil wants to do that. He's doing that continually. Wants to make wants to put a wedge in between you and God. To where you're a little bit irked at him. Or if you don't understand something, you're kind of annoyed because he didn't tell you. And there's that misconception that if I'm lacking something, it's God's fault. That if I'm suffering in some area, God, it, it, it's the Lord. Because after all, he's God. That's the devil talking. It absolutely is. The Lord's not telling you that. <laughs> and how many know there are different sources of thoughts that come into our mind? They don't all come from the same place. Obviously, I believe this, that as a, as a child of God, many of the thoughts that I have come from Him, from the Lord. Sometimes I'm able to recognize that. I think sometimes I don't quickly recognize it, but God is putting His thoughts in me. And we know we, you know, we, know we get that from the Word and so forth, but, but the Lord will talk to us. I mean, why, does, why have we heard so many times uh, someone say, 
uh, you know, someone who doesn't even regularly go to church, someone who's not even saved, say, I don't know why, but I just felt like I needed to come to church today. I mean, you know, for, for many of us, it's habitual. And so, you know, we just, we do that because we're committed to that. But there are many people, in the, well, most people in the world don't do that, <laughs> right? And all of a sudden, I don't know, I just felt like I needed to go to church today. Where does that thought come from? That wasn't the devil, by the way. <laughs> that devil's not trying to get people closer to the Lord. <laughs> but, but God is actually putting thoughts into people's minds. Sometimes they don't even realize it's God. Hey, I just had this thought. They didn't say the Lord said to me because they didn't recognize that. They just had this thought, and all of a sudden they do something, they go somewhere, and they have a divine encounter with the Lord. And He changes their life forever, and they change direction and change course. But there are different sources of thoughts that come to us. The Lord brings His thoughts. Don't dismiss every thought. Amen. But at the same time, we recognize not every thought comes from the Lord. <laughs> not even when you're praying. You can be praying. It doesn't mean everything that goes through your mind while you're praying is the Lord talking to you. I think some Christians miss it in that to where they're always saying, oh, the Lord said this and the Lord said that, and every other statement is the Lord said. But then you find out over time that all the things the Lord said to them never happened. And it's like, dude, you need to check your filter here. <laughs> not every thought comes from the Lord. Even if you have a good heart, even if you love God, even if you're committed to Him, not every thought comes from the Lord. All right? And there are lies that come. The enemy brings lies. He, he, and some thoughts, I think, maybe may, they may originate with us. You know, we see a tree and think that's a nice-looking tree. I wouldn't call that spiritual. <laughs> I wouldn't call that supernatural. It's just that's the thoughts I have. You know, I might say, I like your shirt. I like your hair. I, you know, that's just those are my thoughts, right? But there are other thoughts that come to people, and we must be discerning. Again, what does the enemy want to do? He wants to drive a wedge between you and the Lord to get you on opposite sides of God. Opposite sides, not the same side. Against Him in some way, even if it's just a little bit. Against His will, against His plan, believing that He, something that's not true. Believing that He's angry with, is He mad at us? That He's, a, you know, that God's out to get us. He wants you on opposite sides of God. Always, I, I got this from someone else years ago. Always stay on the Lord's side. No matter what happens in life, no matter what you don't understand, no matter what you can't figure out. Huh? Be, be as smart as old, as old Job. Because Job had a lot that he did not understand. And he and his friends could not figure it out. But the, one, the reason he got in the Bible... <laughs> according to the New Testament, was patience because he stayed there. He stayed on the Lord's side even though he did. He thought, you know, he had all kinds of thoughts. Let's not go into all that. But he didn't understand, but he stayed on the Lord's side. And eventually, God revealed himself to him and rewarded him and gave him a double portion of everything he lost. No matter what you're going through, I mean, I'm all about understanding. Thank the Lord for understanding and truth. But if I don't understand, I'm going to stay with God. Because I know if I stay there, eventually I'll understand more. And I know that He'll, he'll, he'll be there to bring reward in my life. Things are going to turn around. 
Don't think like a, uh, you, you know, like we typically do as human beings and think like a week is a long time. <laughs> or a year is a long time. Come on now. From God's perspective, so much that we deal with, and it seems like a big deal at the moment. It's just like that, and it's gone. Amen. We know that because when we're going forward, things seem long, but then when we get, get past them, it's like, well, that wasn't so bad. <laughs> or that sure passed quickly. Amen. And so the enemy wants to drive a wedge in there. He also wants to do that between people. Hmm. Two relationships that the devil hates is, number one, you and Jesus. <laughs> Number two, you and other children of God. You and the family of God. You and your spouse. You and your kids. You and your friend. You know what I'm saying? He wants to drive away. How does he do that? Well, his MO is lies. He will try to get one person to think that the other person did something they didn't do. Or get one person to think the other person thinks something that they don't even think. And or if it's truly true that they did do something or did think something, he'll try to get in there and try to tell them what they ought to do, give them counsel. Well, you need to do X, Y, and Z. And, and before you know it, there is an, an, an invisible war going on. And no one else knows it, but it's in your mind and it's in your emotions and they get stirred up. And before you know it, you're growing extra gray hair and <laughs> can't sleep and, and other things because there's all this stuff going on up here. What's happening? So often, it is the enemy lying to you. Hmm. Man, many wars start over what one person thinks someone else is thinking. I mean, how many marriages get messed up because of, because of that? One spouse thinks the other spouse thinks something. <laughs> or they did something and we all of a sudden have a revelation of their motive. We know exactly why they did it, and it's always the wrong reason why they did it. But we know if we were to do that, we would, it would be completely godly and pure and holy. That's our motive. But if they do it, they did it on purpose. They were trying to do it, right? And if we go there and we, and we just automatically accept all these thoughts and these premises and really it's the contrary of love we believe the worst of everyone instead of believing the best of everyone then we've started the process of the wedge getting between us of a relationship going sour and the body of Christ becoming ill effective ineffective amen and so we should be aware that the enemy's tools are to lie to, to us. He lies to people about their healing. He lies to people about their finances. He lies to people about their, uh, about their future. He lies to people about their kids. Lies to people about so many things. Lies, lies, lies. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Hanging from a telephone wire. <laughs> Just like the Bible says, right? <laughs> but God is the spirit of truth. And he will help us to see. I've seen so many over the years 
that felt like this happens a lot in younger people, that they feel like because people are trying to be different, they're trying to establish their own whatever, their own way, their own style, their own thought. And, and I've seen many who have this idea that every thought I have, that's just me. This is my way. That's, that's uh, you know, almost like it's an original thought with me. And I thought, you, people don't even know sometimes. We're ignorant of the spirit realm, not knowing that there's a little imp sitting on your shoulder whispering, telling you who you are. And you think, well, this is just me. This is just the way I am. This is, this is just the way I like to be. And in the spirit realm, if we could only see where, where some of these thoughts are coming from. Let's be defined by the Lord. Let's be defined by His Word. Amen. Don't let the world define you. Don't let your family define you. Let the Word define you. People will put limitations on your life. They'll tell you, you just are this way. Or you can never achieve more than this. But I see with the Lord another picture. And He is the Spirit of truth. He says, I can go where people say I can't go. He said, I can do what other people said I can't do. And when there's doubt and fear, that's not coming from Him. That's not coming from the Lord. But there is something that comes from spending time with the Lord and being in His Word, and that is confidence. That is assurance. That is boldness. That is a belief that I'm going to rise. Amen. Praise God. You know, listen now. This is different from the mentality that's kind of reckless. It's kind of the mentality that says... Uh, everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be okay. But it's not based upon uh, the foundation of God's Word. It's kind of like sometimes, uh, my, well, my wife knew this guy years, many years ago when she was younger. And, uh, and he and his friends were out goofing around. One of them was, and they were riding like on the hood and on the roof of the car. And just goofing around, having fun. And, uh, and one of the guys was like a really, really smart person intellectually. You know, had a lot of potential from a uh, mental standpoint. But anyway, they're goofing around, sliding around, and he falls off, hits his head. And he has messed up the rest of his life now. You know what I'm saying? I'm not talking about that kind of invincibility type of attitude where I'm just going through life and nothing ever could bad, nothing ever bad could happen to me. Well, yeah, it can. <laughs> it's called gravity. It's called big pieces of steel moving at 75. <laughs> it's called, you know, a lot of the stuff in this world is literally dangerous to the human condition. Okay, that's not the kind of attitude I want. But I can have an attitude that is based on the Word of God based on truth, where I do live my life believing I'm not going to run into trouble, I'm not going to have uh, an accident, you know what I'm saying, I'm not, I'm not in danger, why, but it's not just because I got my mojo on or something, you know, and there, nothing can touch me, no, it's because he said in his word that with long life he would satisfy me. He said he would surround me and his angels would keep me lest I dash my foot against the stone. Yes. Amen. Amen. And that's where being 
uh, having a foundation in, in the Word of God in truth can give us a, an ability to really live like God intended for us to live. Amen. Let's look, at, let's look for a moment at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Everybody okay with this so far? Truth is very, very important. Everybody say, I want the truth. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> no, I'm just messing with you there. <laughs> Sorry, I got carnal real quick there, but I'm back. <laughs> he is the spirit of truth. Amen. You know, the scripture talks about, in one point, at one part of the Bible talks about the deceitfulness of sin. The what of sin? Deceitful. Deceitfulness of sin. Well, we know this. Satan wants to get people in sin. He wants you to conduct yourself contrary to the life and nature of God. He wants you to do opposite of what God wants you to do. How in the world would he get us to do something so stupid? I mean, how in the world could you get someone to steal or to lie or to, you know, do some of these, these things that are obviously wrong and not good? They're bad. How would you get someone to do that? Well, how about deceit? How about sin has something built into it called deceit? Another word to say that, another way to say that is a lie. People believe. I mean, it's amazing. A married person, all of a sudden, they get tempted. Some guy gets tempted with some uh, hot-looking thing. And in his mind, for a moment, he thinks, yes, this makes sense. I should do this. <laughs> I, I, I mean, think about that. He, I mean, that happens. Somewhere along the line, a decision is made. And it's like, okay, yeah, this is the best thing to do. Yet anyone outside of the realm of that temptation thinks, you've got to be kidding me. You, that's not going to help. It's going to be real quick, and you're going to regret it, man. And you're going to mess up a lot of stuff if you do that. But in the moment, it seems, it seems like a good idea. In the heat of that. <laughs> has, anyone ever been, uh, has anyone ever been tempted with uh, cheesecake? <laughs> nothing wrong with cheesecake or I, you know but I mean you're tempted with like more than you probably should eat and at the moment I've stopped to analyze these things I want to understand that the nature of how these things work and I thought this is amazing right now I really think that's good for me <laughs> you know I mean that second and third piece right now I'm, I'm man I know I know that if I eat the extra piece or the whole extra pizza, <laughs> I know when I'm done, I know this mentally, that I'm not going to be happy that I did it. But right now, I'm not sure. <laughs> Have you ever been there? I mean, right now, I think it really makes sense. I don't, in fact, why is that wrong? 
I'll go ahead and do it. I'm not putting that in the same category as those other things, by the way. But, <laughs> but then you do it, and then, oh, man, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Why? Because after the temptation to go somewhere to do something is gone, all of a sudden we see clearly again. <laughs> Don't we? It's like, ah, oh, my eyes are opened. That's the deceitfulness of sin. It lies to us. To try to get us to believe wrong things and do wrong things and say wrong things. In the heat of an argument, some people feel inspired. <laughs> and all of a sudden, everything that person has done wrong, you can go back years and it's coming back to you crystal clear. It's like, man, I can just rattle these things off. It's like prophecy coming out of me. <laughs> but how many know it's not? Not prophecy, it's deceit. And we think right now, this is a smart thing to do. I need to let them have it. But then a few minutes later, eyes are back open again. The temptation to say them is gone. You're going, I probably shouldn't have said that. And now it's a whole big mess to try to fix. Hmm. Or in some situations, people, you know, people in the world getting around the wrong crowd and they say things and before you know it, they're in a fight, before you know it, they're in the hospital, before you know it, they're in jail, before you know it, they're in a car accident. Huh? I mean, there are people, you know how there's, you know, we, we give it names to make it sound cool, but like road rage and stuff. There are people that get so angry, and we've all been irked with people on the road, don't get me wrong, I've been there too. Uh but so angry that people have pulled over and gotten in fights. I mean, over, you cut into my lane. And although that's rude, at the time we think, he's got to be taught a lesson. (laughs) And you think about it. Does that really make sense to get out there and put yourself in, in danger? And I have a friend who pulled over one time. He was at a stoplight, and uh, there was this other guy uh, over there, and they just all of a sudden had these looks. <laughs> you know, it's a, it, it's a guy thing. It's kind of a little challenging. It was almost like kind of jungle-like. Like, you know, like you're, you're challenging my manhood. And this friend of mine is a believer, and I thought, where's this going? Because they had this look, and before you know it, they're like, yeah, pull over here. He pulls over, pulls over into this parking lot. They'd never seen each other in their life. It's about to be a fight. But he's actually more mature than that. He's not going to just pull over and fight someone. But he gets out of his car and, uh, and starts saying to this guy, why are you so full of hate? <laughs> Those were his words. And before you know it, he's witnessing to him. The other guy's apologizing to him. And he, and, and he turned the whole situation around. But I'm saying in the world, you know that kind of stuff just happens. All of a sudden, people are doing crazy things. And in the moment of the heat of the whatever it is, it makes sense. But you step back and you think, that was the dumbest thing I've ever done. <laughs> I mean, think about people. Sit, some people sitting in jail right now think, thinking, ah. Oh, I cannot believe I did that. Why didn't I just let it go? Why didn't I? So full of pride, and I got to stand for my rights and stand for my manhood or womanhood or whatever it is. 
and then we end up yielding to stuff. Lies. Lies of the devil. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. 1533. Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Why would we be told to not be deceived? Because there is a high possibility that we could be deceived. Now, he's writing to Christians here, right? The church at Corinth. So we're not talking about just unbelievers. Well, I'm saved. I don't get deceived. <laughs> they, he was writing to believers saying, do not be deceived. So if our guard is not up, we're not watching out, we will all fall for deception in some area. The devil will lie, we'll believe the lie, we'll act on the lie, we'll, uh, we'll perpetuate bondage in our life. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. This is one of the areas that the devil lies to people about. Deception comes. What's that lie? That those I associate with do not really affect me. And the reason why some people continually struggle with, with certain sin, with certain things in life, is because of their associations. They associate with people on an ongoing and continual basis that live a lie that live subject to sins in certain areas, that live in certain bondages. And he's saying, don't be deceived. In other words, there's a lot of people who will say and do say, it doesn't affect me. I can be around anyone. And they can do whatever they want to do and believe whatever they want to do. But I'm my own person. I'm stronger than that. And, and it doesn't impact me. What is that according to the Bible? That, that's, a, that's a deception. That's a lie that a person believes. Meanwhile, their life goes down, down, down. They're getting overrun by, by, by junk little by little, but bless God, it doesn't affect them. He said evil company corrupts good habits. Evil company corrupts good habits. So that means you have a good habit. You have some good habits in your life, but over time, people's bad habits corrupt your good habits. I don't know why it can't work the other way more. Why can't my good habit corrupt their bad habit? It just doesn't seem to work that way. There's something about the world, something about the flesh, something about the fallen world that we live in, that if we don't get proactive and assertive, we will go down. You don't coast up. You, you must make intentional effort to go higher. But if we don't watch out, the junk of this world, the associations that we have will pull us lower. Amen. So we shouldn't be deceived about that because that's one of the areas people do get deceived in. He's saying we shouldn't be around people who are uh, people who have problems. No, no, I didn't say that. You saying we shouldn't be around people who are in the world that don't know the Lord. 
No, I'm not saying that either. We are to be salt and light in this world. I am to have connection, have uh, communication with and association with sinners to a degree. I must use wisdom and recognize that if all my time is spent surrounded by those who are called evil, evil company, that it will, according to the Word of God, corrupt me. Let us not be deceived in that. You know, there's something that Jesus used, and it's in the epistles as well, but Jesus used the illustration where he said, a little leaven leavens the whole the whole lump, right? Uh, and he, he, he said in various places, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Now, what was he talking about? Their bakery? <laughs> they don't have good health standards over there. You don't want to eat their bread. Mess you up. No. Uh, the disciples had that same thought, you know, especially after they forgot to bring bread on one of the trips. And he said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. <gasps> we didn't bring any bread. <laughs> but, but, he, but he explained to them, uh, basically he's talking about their teaching. And w- in one place, he said that their leaven is hypocrisy. He said their hypocrisy will get off on you. He said, watch out for, the, watch out for what they say. Watch out for what they teach. Why? Because that's how the enemy works, by getting people to believe wrong things. And like leaven gets throughout the whole thing, see, that's what also happens in our lives. It can happen in a church, it can happen in a group, it can happen in a family where one person starts a lie, where a person with an offense begins to say something, begins to talk about another person, begins to, begins to vent all their venom and their complaints, and their negativity, and why this, and why that. He said, you got to watch out for that, because that will spread. Spread like a cancer. And before you know it, it's corrupting good morals. And before you know it, you're starting to think like them. You start thinking, and all of a sudden you find yourself complaining. All of a sudden you find yourself in, in doubt and unbelief, living in that kind of stuff. And that's something we have to protect ourselves from. The Lord wants to give you the victory. He wants to lift your life up higher and make things better. But it will not happen outside of us believing what's true. That's why the enemy will fight hard and hard, so hard. And he'll bombard. And he'll hit again and again, again and again. He'll buffet you with lies. Get them coming from different sources and different people. And before you know it, it almost seems supernatural. (laughs) And it is. Because if he can get us to believe a lie, then God's plan is thwarted for our life. That's the only way. What's he going to do? Stand up to God? What's he going to do? Push the devil? Push push God around? (laughs) No. What's he going to do? Push you around? No. Because you are (laughs) spirit-filled. You have the name of Jesus. You have authority. We resist the devil and he flees from us. So what's he going to do? He's going to come with lies and deceptions and try to get us to believe the wrong things. Amen. And if we accept it, then 
He's got us. But again, evil company corrupts good habits. And so who are you listening to? Maybe you're having a struggle in a certain area. Who are you listening to? Have you found yourself becoming more negative? Have you found yourself being able to acutely define and discern all the problems that there are in life <laughs> and in other people's lives and in your church and in your job and every yeah, all of a sudden, man, I'm just able to see what's wrong. That is not a gift from God. You know, the gift of suspicion, as they say. <laughs> no, that just shows a little leaven's gotten in there, and it's starting to reproduce itself. Look at Proverbs 13. Can I keep going? Some of you know this verse. It's great. goes good with this. Proverbs 13, 20. 13, 20. He who walks with wise men will be wise but the companion of fools will be destroyed. The companion of fools will be destroyed. Does it matter who my companions are? Yes. Absolutely. It matters so much. It matters so much. Am I going to cut off everybody uh, who's, who's acting foolish or something? No, I'm not going to necessarily cut off. I'm going to be wise and make sure that I intentionally surround myself with wise people. That's wisdom. I don't know where I'd be. I'm not saying... One where the I'm saying I don't know where I'd be without the wisdom that has come to me from other people in my life. The, the fact that I've been surrounded with different individuals in my life has impacted me so much. I, and again, I don't know how much harm it has saved me. It really, I, I, but I am able to acknowledge and readily see that wisdom from other people, really from God through other people, into my life has saved me a lot of, from a lot of hardships has helped me to make decisions when I'm tempted to go one way, but I'm surrounded by enough wisdom, by enough wise people that I'm able to recognize the, recognize the lies, recognize the deceptions. And so if you walk with the wise, you, you, you grow wise, you get wise. If you're a companion of fools, you'll be destroyed. Look at, look at 2 Peter. Second Peter two. Second uh, Peter two. And uh, Peter's writing here about Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, verse seven, and it says, "And delivered righteous Lot." What kind of Lot? Right. Now, Lot was a name, name of a dude. And delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. What oppressed him? Filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. He was what? That's pretty strong language. He was tormented. 
his righteous soul, he was the only one there right with God. Maybe his wife, you know. But they're in, they're in the midst of wickedness. They are the companions of fools. They have evil company, and it's having an effect on them. We cannot think that we can just day in and day out, listen to garbage, look at garbage, feed on garbage, and we're going to come out of there with joy and victory. We can't think that uh, that, that we're going to really live a life of faith and victory and have success in God while we feed on the junk of this world and we converse with those in the world in what I'm saying by that we converse on their level we laugh at the same jokes we speak the same languages we use the same cuss words you know you got to use christian cuss words uh, <laughs> just to clarify uh, you know what I'm saying now we, we we think we can just associate with all the junk and yet when we're attacked, we're just going to have victory. We're just going to rise up strong. Bless God, I just stand on the Word. Yeah, but one one-hundredth of the time of your life, you're going to stand on the Word it's going to work? The Word works. The Word works all the time. But what I give myself to and what I surround myself with gets, gets inside of me. And it'll be real to me. But to so many people, the only thing that's real to them is the world. The only thing that's real to them is all the, the natural things. Some of it's bad, some of it's not bad, it's just natural, but some of it is junk. And we go from all that, surrounding ourselves with that, you know, 10 hours a day. And then... It's time to pray and believe God for something. Or it's time to, there's a, something happens and we need to pray and believe God. We need to take authority. And that stuff is just so unreal to us. It's like lies, 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 and then a little truth. We're going to just overcome. It just doesn't work that way. And it's one of the main reasons why so many Christians live in defeat. They live perpetually defeated. They say, it's just not working. We've, we're just doing opposite of the word and are expecting different results. We think we can ignore all the Bible principles and all the instructions we get like this. And yet we're just going to come out and everything's going to be great. We're just going to walk into victory, have the joy of the Lord. No, you surround yourself with the world, you'll probably be depressed. You'll battle stuff like that. Hmm? When sickness comes, it'll be harder to get rid of, even if you know by His stripes you're healed. But you, but you surround yourself and feed yourself with all kinds of doubt and unbelief and ungodliness, and it's just harder to get rid of. It's not that the Word doesn't work. It's not that the Lord has changed. It's just we're filled ourselves up with the stuff that doesn't work. Amen. And so, so Lot, again, righteous man, he tormented his soul. How many of us are tormenting our souls? What do we mean by that? The inside of us where God lives, where his spirit abides, where we've been made new creations in Christ Jesus, that stuff, that you can be grieved and you can torment yourself. And you, if you read the story and read the details, you'll see that though Lot was a right, called a righteous person, that's correct. Some of the ways that he was acting towards the end there before... 
Sodom got destroyed was really funky. It's like, you're a righteous lot. You know, when the, uh, when the pe- people came in to storm his, well, just to say it plain, they were, homosexuals were coming at their house trying to have sex with them because two angels came into town. They didn't know they were angels. They thought they were dudes. And they said, oh, look at that. Some new dudes in town. It's just, that's exactly what they have. They wanted to have sex with them. And then Lot said, no, have my two virgin daughters instead. <laughs> I'd be like, uh, no, have the strangers instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to trust the angels. They can handle themselves. But it's like this righteous guy, what, what's happening? Man, his soul was tormented. He was being impacted by this stuff, bam, 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 day and night, day and night. Why? Seeing and hearing. Seeing and hearing. Seeing and hearing. Seeing and hearing what? The wrong thing. Now, we know we can't remove ourselves from this world. We're not going to go out of this world. We're not going to cut off all unrighteousness. No, we're called to reach this world. And I believe that we can, uh, if we'll do right with what we intentionally put before our eyes and put in our ears, then we can handle some the junk that we live in, we can overcome it and not be afraid of it, but we've got to keep things in proportion. Hmm. Our righteousness is in Christ, and it's based on Him alone. But the practicality of our lives every day would be more of a scale. Think of the old-fashioned scale. Not whether I'm getting to heaven or not, no, that's Jesus. But whether I can live in victory, whether I can live my life for God, is somewhat dependent upon what I put in my life. If I give myself all to the world and once a week I show up and say, hallelujah, praise the Lord, I'm just out of balance. And the weight of this world and of sin, of lies and deception is going to keep me in bondage even though spiritually I'm free. Amen. Can you handle a little bit more? 1 Corinthians uh, 5. 1 Corinthians 5, this is a believer's meeting, so we do whatever, and if we teach the whole time, then we teach the whole time, <laughs> and, uh, and, and sometimes we don't do it at all, but this is what's right for tonight, this is the way I believe we're supposed to go tonight, 1 Corinthians Five. Well, I, I almost want to read the whole chapter. <laughs> it's pretty short. Let's just start in verse one. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles, that a man has his father's wife. Now, Paul's writing this, but I'm thinking he's pretty annoyed while he's writing it. He's not complimenting them here. He is getting on their case. He's saying, you've got to be kidding me. And you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he who has done this thing might be taken away from among you. For indeed, for I indeed, as absent in body but present in spirit, have already judged as though I were present. He did what? He judged? Thought we weren't supposed to judge. Oh, guess we are. 
uh, him who has done this deed in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ when you are gathered together along with my spirit with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus well that's pretty serious language there isn't it and this is this has to do with the church disciplining those who are living wrong Living in, in, in gross misconduct and sin and don't give a rip. And he said, you guys are puffed up about this thing and like no big deal and all this stuff. He said, this is a big deal. In fact, this guy, he's getting turned over to the devil. Well, why turn him over to the devil? Well, because God's not going to get him. He's a brother. He's saved. So you remove him from the protection of God and Satan has access to him. It's a sad situation, but that's the only way some people are going to learn. It's not God's way of teaching them. It's just some people get to that point, and the devil gets access to their life. Your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little, little leaven leavens the whole lump? What is he saying? If you allow this to continue unchecked, and you just ignore it and act like it's no big deal, you're kind of proud. He said, the whole church is going to be in trouble. This is going to spread. You're going to have all kinds of people doing this. Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may have a that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexual, sexually immoral people. Yet, I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. Right? Yes. Saying this world is full of that stuff, and you're not leaving. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner. Not even to eat with such a person. And so this strong language, what is he telling them? Telling them to do? He's telling them to get away from this guy. Yeah, yeah. This guy who's acting like this, I've turned him over to Satan. You might want to back off. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to be close to that when that happens. Yeah. Plus, what, what are they doing? He's teaching them how to communicate, not with just a person who's struggling or a person who fell into sin, they're repentant of heart, but they need help, you know, lift it up and lift it out. Not talking about that kind of person at all. There are always people who are new, new, new people who are weak, and we should help those who are weak. Right. We should help them to, to live long and live strong and, and overcome sin. But we're talking about a person who doesn't care, a person who thinks, I can live this way. I can live, I can live like this. I can speak against authority. I can speak against the family. I, I can cause division here. I can be covetous. I can be sexually immoral. I'm still saved, and it's no big deal. Uh, no, that's a problem. That's what he's teaching. He said, I want you to back off from that person. I don't want you, I don't want you hanging around them. I don't want you going out to eat with them. I don't know if you've ever had that. I've had that prompting before uh, with, with, with people that wanted to eat and thought, no, this wouldn't be a good thing. Because they were in rebellion and not willing to listen. Because they were quick to speak against those in authority and they wouldn't back off and I said no just on the inside I knew it's not good to be with this person in this situation 
Well, what happens? Well, the goal here is, people, is that people will wake up. Not that they'd be shunned and they'd just be outcasts, but that they wake up and say, oh, I see, I've been believing some lies here. I've been going the wrong way. I need to get right. One of the problems in our society is uh, in, in the way our churches in, 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 in our country and in, in other countries as well is if anyone ever gets kind of uh, not invited to lunch, what do they do? They just go to the next group where nobody knows them. Right. Well, I'll just leave that church. I'll just go over to this other place, and they start over because nobody knows that they're goofy and carnal and disrespectful and everything else. And they come in with a smile, and they speak the word. They lift their hands in worship, and everyone goes, oh, yeah, these guys love the Lord. No, they don't. They love themselves. They are selfish, and they are disrespectful, and they're going to do things their own way. And after a while, you'll find out. And then when if you back off from them, they'll go somewhere else and start over. Amen. You know, like the always, we always say, though, that, one problem with going from one place to another is that when you get there, you're still there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when people run from their problems and don't deal with them, yeah. when they arrive, <laughs> there they are. Where thou goest, there thou shalt be. <laughs> my, fam- <laughs> my favorite proverb. He said in verse 12, For what have I to do with judging those who are, who are outside? Do you not judge those who are inside? He's talking to the church. He said, aren't you supposed to judge those who are inside? He said, but those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put, put away from yourselves this evil person. In other words, he's saying God's not judging people in the church. That's your job. Yep. Yep. I had the judgment of God fell apart. No, he didn't. <laughs> not in the family. No. God's judgment fell upon Jesus. In a practical sense now, when he's saying this, is, this kind of stuff is up to you. You've got to deal rightly with people. And see, this doesn't fly in the, this doesn't go over well with modern accept everything and accept everybody no matter what. There are situations that biblically we are supposed to be wiser and stronger than that. Where we actually say, uh, no, that doesn't fly here. No. That behavior, that, that kind of activity is not acceptable. And it's, listen, I, I, and I understand, it's tough to tell people so, stuff. It is, especially in our culture when it's like, well, you're, you know, you're just unkind or something. No, actually kind. <laughs> but we do have to have backbone if we want God's best. Yes. The, the enemy will lie. He'll try to deceive. But the truth will make us free. And the spirit of truth lives inside of you and me. Amen. And he will always, every single day, he, he will enlighten our minds if we'll listen to him. He will, he will lead us in the way that's right. And he'll, he'll direct us. If we, if we get going the wrong direction, he'll, he'll help us to know. And if we override that, he'll let us go. But he'll help us to know when we need to make some adjustments and changes so that we can surround ourselves with those influences that are godly. Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you today for what you're saying and doing. I thank you for who you are in us. I thank you for your spirit who reveals truth to every life.
you are the revealer of truth. Where the enemy has come in to lie and deceive. Lord, I thank you that you give us insight. That we might believe what's right. That we might stand for what is true. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for, for working in our hearts today. Help us to see now. Open our eyes to see. Open our eyes to see. Give us revelation of your character, nature, and love. Give us revelation of every good thing that comes from above. Revelation of you. Revelation of everything that's true. I thank you for helping us. Untie the knot. Get out of that tangled web of mess and unrighteousness. Lord, we walk free because of the truth that you reveal to us. Thank you for helping us today. We give you glory. We give you praise. We give you honor. We bless your name. Sanctified and set apart. Lord, to do your will. Thank you, Lord. We give you all glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God is good.